The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42? Um, we are looking at the Psalms this summer through Psalm, uh, Psalm 42 and 43 this morning. Um, we do this because everybody's on vacation and... The Psalms is a great place to look at <laughs> without getting lost in a series or anything like that. So if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we've got them around. Jay's getting, I think Jay's picking this up. But um, if you don't have a Bible, it's basically, or if, you, if you're new to the Bible, the Psalms are right in the middle if you cut the Bible in half and a little bit to the left. So um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 and 43. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I'm going to read our passage. We're going to pray. And then we're going to start to look at this together. Psalm 42 and 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go up to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the, my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my, adversary taunts, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go down, go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I shall go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we have just read from your word to instruct our hearts to hope in you. And so, Father, we've also read that you send out your light and your truth. We pray that this morning as we look at Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 that you would send out your light and your truth right now into our hearts, that we would learn to talk to ourselves and to instruct ourselves that we would hope in you and enjoy you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this confidently. Amen. 
One of the greatest problems for our own personal happiness and stability in life is that we often listen to ourselves a little too much. Um, I don't know what your inner life is like, but often I find myself uh, either negative or frustrated or down or depressed. And the reality is that the biggest problem in my life and I think in our lives and finding regular happiness is that we listen to ourselves. What I mean by that is, so for example, this morning I wake up and suddenly I'm just gripped by, with the first breaths, I'm gripped by this anxiety about the day ahead and the things I need to get done and the things that I haven't done and the things I didn't do yesterday. And often the biggest problem there is I'm listening to myself. I'm, I'm listening to, why didn't you do that? Why didn't this get done? Didn't that person say this about you? I'm listening to myself. You see what I mean? We are listening to ourselves more frequently than we are talking to ourselves. And that's what's going on in this psalm. What I want us to talk about is what does it look like for us to talk to ourselves, to be, ta- be active? Because what, when we're listening to ourselves, we're, we're being a passive inner life, right? We're, we're just kind of coasting along and whatever comes, we, that sounds great, right? These inner thoughts that I have, they're, they're just kind of a part of who I am and that's okay, but we want to be looking at the psalm and learning this basic reality that we need to be proactive and talking to ourselves. Um, and what I don't mean by that is that we need to become uh, people who mumble to ourselves on the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had, uh, there's that verse in the Bible that says, like, pray without ceasing. And somebody once applied it. They're like, well, you should just mumble prayers constantly. And they're like, yeah, I knew this guy who did that. And he would walk through the grocery store, like, mumbling prayers. And they were, like, talking about this, like, as a commending example. I was like, that's weird. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not what the Bible has in view of talking to ourselves. What we want to be looking at and what we're aiming at this morning is what does it mean to be active, to take, take charge of ourselves, to control our thoughts, and to be proactive in how we find happiness? Because we're all going to find happiness one way or the other. We want to be, uh, we want to be, happy and at peace, right? And what we're not talking about is like positive thinking. We're talking about taking the realities of God and applying them to our hearts and telling them to ourselves. So as we're, as we're working through this, we are, how do we, we're looking for how do we begin to take control of ourselves. The main point of these two Psalms, I think, is that we must tell ourselves about who God is to fight the darkness in our lives, Right? There is, if, you're, if we're reading, working through this psalm, maybe you're struck by how dark this guy's life is, right? Enemies, crushed, depressed, sad, anxious. Okay, how do we take control of our lives? Well, the reality is that God has provided us with this book full of all of his truths. And the psalmist is telling us take, to talk to ourselves, to tell ourselves about who God is, to fight the darkness in our lives. So how do we do this? How are we going to talk to ourselves, tell ourselves about the goodness of God, tell ourselves about who God is to fight the darkness in our lives? Well, uh, through the psalm, I don't know if you picked up on this, uh, there's kind of like this like inner dialogue of like, here's the reality, and I need to remember this, and here's what I tell myself. So verses 4 and 5, these things I remember, right? And then down in verse 5, uh, verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 6, right? Therefore, I remember you, so he's like, okay, here's the reality. God, I need to remember a few things. And then he has this constant refrain. This is the, basically the chorus of the psalm, right? If you have like a 
the song is you're singing this. The chorus of the song is, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. So this is where we're getting this idea. Talk to ourselves, right? Here's the reality. I'm going to talk to myself, and we're going to remember a few things as we work through these psalms. So the first thing that the, the, the psalmist lays out, or the writer lays out, is that we, we remember God's good presence. Remember God's good presence. Verses 1 to 3. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Have, have you ever had this experience where it just seems like you can't get over being sad? Like, God, I, I feel like I just can't get out of this hole of being sad. Or just this reality of, God, I want to enjoy you, I want to know you, but you just seem so far off. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Right? The psalmist is capturing this reality that we are made to enjoy God. We are made to enjoy him personally. We, we are made to feel him. Right? He's not just a, there, there is this truth, God is everywhere. God, God's everywhere, that's what the Bible teaches. But then also there's a sense of which God has made us to be a, a felt God. He's made us to feel him, to enjoy him. I, at my, my last job, I had a friend of mine who was, I, he was interested in Jesus. We were talking about what does it mean to be a Christian? And he just said, you know what? At the end of the day, I just I want a God and a reality that I can feel. That's how we're made. C.S. Lewis has this great line. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I am made for another world. I'm made, we're made for more than just the material world that we inhabit. We are made to experience and enjoy God. And so what the psalmist is saying is, I'm made to enjoy you. What's the deal? <laughs> Where are you, God? I want to know you. I want to feel you and enjoy you. But he describes God as the living God, right? God is not just kind of like this like little like animated object that just kind of like comes in and we just kind of like wear it, like, wear him like a shirt. Like, here's my brand. I got God on my shirt. No, he's made... He's the living God. He is an infinite flowing source of infinite life and joy and peace and goodness. And he has made us to drink deeply of him and to enjoy him. That's the picture that's being laid out here, right? My soul pants for this, for flowing streams like this. You see like me ever see like the water fountain down in Victory Park or something like that? It's infinite flowing. That's who God is. Infinite flowing joy and goodness. And he is wanting that. So what does he do? Where does he go with his thoughts? That's the... God, I'm made to enjoy you. He turns his mind there in verse 4. These things I remember. I pour out my soul. How I would go to the throng and lead them in the presence of the, to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. That's a rock and worship party, right? <laughs> that, that's what he's saying. Like, God, I used to, I, I want to know you, and the place that I, I go in my mind where I knew you was with your people in worship. I, I want to know you. I want to remember who you are. God, that moment of worship with you, with your people, that's, that's your good presence with us. Right? That's, that's where he, he first instructs his mind. Okay, how do I begin to take control and, and talk to myself and tell myself about the goodness of God? I remind myself of God's good presence. Not that God is only this infinite flowing source of joy in life, but he comes to 
dwell with his people. I don't know if you picked that up in this, the scripture reading that we read from Amos, God who dwells among his people. God is himself not only the place of God, but he is the source of our life and joy with him. Our home is with God himself, and we're going there. And there is God himself, the pure joy and goodness for us to enjoy. Right? It's like, it's like if you were a Red Sox fan and you never enjoyed going to Fenway Park. Right? If you're a Red Sox fan, bro, you, you, go, to, you go to the home, home place. You go to the center point of what it means to be a Red Sox fan. Well, to enjoy God and to know him is to remember to be with his people. Right? That's one of the crazy things about the Bible is that it says God enjoys being with his people. So when we come together on Sunday morning, I've thought about this recently. We don't just do this because it's some like sort of religious ritual where we come and we're like, all right, check off the box. I'm a good Christian. I can, I'm a little better than my neighbors. I can talk snooty about them because, hey, I went to church on Sunday morning and I'm better than other people. Like, that's not the purpose of why we come here. And if it is, please leave. Like That's not the purpose of why we're here. Like This is that's not about Jay, by the way. <laughs> Jay felt suddenly convicted. I'm out. No, the purpose of why we come to get together is because God brings his people together and he dwells with us and he enjoys it, right? He enjoys being with us, right? One of the best images that I've ever heard about what is it like to gather as a church on Sunday morning, it's like... Um, everyone, you, know, you know the tin cans where you have like the tab and you kind of pull the, tin, the, the, the tab off? When we come together, the Holy Spirit brings us together and then he pulls the, the lid off of our building that we're in and we ascend into the presence of God with other Christians and all Christians of every age, right? So when we come together, this is unique. This is different than listening to worship songs in your car, though that's great. It's different than a podcast, those are great. It's different than all those things. This is God bringing his people together and dwelling with us to remind us that he's good. And I think the reason that the psalmist says, God, I, the first thing I remember is your good presence because life is hard. It's not getting better any, anytime soon, but your presence is good for me. So I'm going to tell that to myself, right? <laughs> Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall pray, again praise him, my salvation and my God. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell myself about the goodness of who God is by remembering your good presence. Because I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but when things are hard in my life, it is incredibly helpful to turn and say, so-and-so has had hard things going on in their life. And they are singing and praising God with a smile on their face. Okay, so God, this is good for me to be here right now. And I want, I want to move in their direction of enjoying who you are. Right? We remind each other of how good God is. It's good to be together, to worship God in his presence. And it, and it, it recalibrates our lives. I don't know if you guys know who John Piper is. But he's, generally, he's made this comment that um, sometimes... Gathering together on Sunday morning has saved his marriage. And what he means by that, and I, and I can feel that in my own life, getting together with God's people recalibrates, redirects, reorients my life around God and not the problems that I'm experiencing. Whether those are in our marriage or in our family or in our neighborhood or whatever, right? we can feel like this psalmist, God, where are you in all this? Okay, I'm going to get together with God's people. I want to remember God's good presence. So guys, maybe one thing that we need, you guys are obviously all here, 
But when things start going bad, remember, okay, I need to move towards being with God's people to remember God's good presence. The, my current existence and the depression that I experience is not the ultimate reality. God's presence with his people. And I need to get together with his people to tell my soul, this is what's real and not my circumstances. So the second thing that he picks up on in telling ourselves about who God is to fight the darkness in our lives, the second thing that we want to remember, we want to remember God's generous grace. So we're going to pick up the last half of Psalm 42. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. Remember that, that remembrance language? I remember who? I remember you, God, from the land of, of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So if you're picking up in this psalm, things are not getting better on either side of this, right? He, things are still hard. Things have not gotten easy. But in the midst of all this, he feels overwhelmed and in verse 8, I think is where we see the central, central point of the last half of Psalm 42. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Right, when he, he thinks about, okay, things are hard, right? So verse 7, by the way, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. Um, it's certainly true that God has made us uh, to respond to who he is, but I think what's going on in this picture here is... It seems like uh, rapids and waves of God's judgment. It feels like God, rapids and waves of God's judgment just pouring out over him. Like, have you ever been, like the flume? Have you guys ever gone to the flume up in the... So when you walk into the, the flume, it just is like that echoing sound. That's kind of what he's talking about. God, the, the troubles in my life, the darkness, just feels like that. Just, it's not going away. And in the middle of that, verse 8, by day... The Lord, that's God's covenant name. That's God's name where he says, I promised my love to you. I promised my grace to you. I promised my mercy to you. And it's because and based on who I am, not you. That's what it means to call God the Lord. The Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. This is, I think, the reality of grace that he's pointing to. He's saying, God, at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, your grace is what sustains my life. God, I, I don't know how to make it through this overwhelming situation, but at the end of the day, your grace is what begins and ends and sustains me all through the day. This is, a, this, is this reality I want to drop into talking a little bit about of preaching the gospel to ourselves. I don't know if you guys, has anybody heard that phrase, preaching the gospel to ourselves? If you haven't, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to work through that. But he get, he's like, my day's overwhelming. I can't get through this. And so I'm going to remind myself of God's grace from beginning to end. Call that preaching the gospel to ourselves. Jerry Bridges kind of gets us into this category. He, um, I've got a longer quote. Half of it will show up here. That's the latter half of it. If God loves us, if God's love for us is to be a, a solid foundation stone of devotion, we must realize that his love is entirely of grace. Right? This is verse 8 that we're talking about, right? But they, the Lord, commands his steadfast love. 
His love is entirely of grace, that it rests completely upon the work of Jesus Christ and flows to us through our union with him. Because of this basis, right, because of who Jesus is, his love can never change regardless of what we do. In our daily experience, we have all sorts of spiritual ups and downs, sins, failures, discouragement, all of which tend to make us question God's love. That is because we, think de- we, we keep thinking that God's love is somehow conditional. We are afraid to believe his love is based entirely upon the finished work of Christ for us. Now, this is is the quote in front of us. Deep down in our souls, we must get hold of that wonderful truth that our spiritual failures do not affect God's love for us one iota. That his love for us does not fluctuate according to our experience. We must be gripped by the truth that we are accepted by God and loved by God for the sole reason that we are united to his beloved son. Right, so let's go back to Psalm 42. What's going on? Up and down, I feel like I'm being rocked around in a boat in the midst of these overflowing waves of just trouble and life. In the middle of that, right, literally in the middle of that, sen- that section, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. In the midst of all the troubles of his life, in the midst of the troubles of our lives, that does not reflect God's ups and downs of love for us. God's love for us does not kind of like on a ticker like a stock market go up. <laughs> no, you're trading really badly today and it goes down, right? God's love for us doesn't go up with his approval ratings in our life, right? He's not like a political candidate where, well, I, his love for us kind of reflects, do we like him? Do we not like him? Oh, approval rating for God goes up. Okay, well, I like you 42%, you know? Like that's not how God's love engages us. His love is based on the pure obedience of Jesus Christ, who looked at us and said, these are a bunch of dirtbags that I want to make a part of my family. (laughs) Okay, so here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to live a life that they could never live. Jesus said, I'm going to live a perfect life because all these people that I want to be in my family can't do it. And then he says, okay, but there's still this problem of God's wrath for all the problems and sins of our lives. And so Jesus says, I'm going to die in their place. So he goes to the cross willfully to die in our place. And then he rises on his own account. He says, I'm going to rise from the grave. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but he does it, right? He's the son of God. He rises in our place and says, okay, now their lives are going to be based on my perfect obedience and my perfect substitution in their place. And so I'm going to get angry at my kids and now God's going to love me a little less. That's not the way it works. God loves us based on who Jesus is. And so when I get angry with my kids and I yell and I shouldn't do that, he says, okay, I've died for that sin, but remember my grace is not determined <laughs> by you being stupid or sinful. It's based on who I am. So, so get some more grace. Come back to him and, and receive forgiveness and mercy and goodness because of who Jesus is, not because of the things that I've done to screw up in life. That, that's, when we're, that's what Jerry Bridges is helping us get at, right? We need to remind ourselves our basis, our identity, our happiness in life is not based on how good or bad I've been today. Our basis and identity and happiness in life is based on Jesus loves dirtbags like me and you, and he loves to bring us near to give us more grace and mercy, give us his happiness in life, right? That's That's why we have these verses in the Bible like Zephaniah 3.17. Can we throw that up there? The Lord your God is in your midst. Again, the congregation coming together. A mighty one who will save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And you have to ask the question, why? Why? It's not because of you. It's not because of how good you've been or how good I've been or, hey, we're here at church on Sunday morning. Let's check the box off. Now God's going to sing this over us. No, God sings this song over us of gladness and enjoying being with us because of who Jesus is, because what God has done, because God chose to love us. Like that, why? At the end of the day, God is the answer. God, that's who he is. He loves to be with people who need him. And so I think one of the things that we can be doing as an application, like what do we do with this tomorrow? Remember God's generous grace, this idea of preaching the gospel to ourselves. Find little gospel nuggets, you might call them, little gospel nuggets and remind ourselves of them on a daily basis. Like just stick them in our back pocket or you know that little pocket that you have right here on the side of your jeans that you don't know what's for? It's actually for your, it's originally made for stopwatches or like little pocket watches. Put them in your pocket to remember them and to mull over them. So like one of my favorites, Galatians 2.20, right? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, God, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what my, what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. Are you going to provide for me? God, so you can feel the anxiety building in a normal daily life. That's you talking to yourself, right? How do we talk back? How do we talk to ourselves? Okay, God, I know that of all things that could have happened in this universe, you loved me. And how did you love me? You sent Jesus to die in my place to make me a son or daughter of the living God. Okay, so that's a universe-shaping reality. Now, God, my anxiety, I feel it deeply. Anxiety, the short definition of anxiety is an ima- imagining a future without God. <laughs> so if that's what anxiety is, imagining a future without God, now how do, I, how do I take the gospel and address my anxiety? Well, God, of all the crazy realities in the universe, you sent your son who loved me and gave his life for me. Do I think that I'm going to get cut off from your love tomorrow? I'm not saying the problems are going to go away. But, the, uni- but the, 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 the reality, the grace, that's the, that's the grace that I need. Okay, God, help me. Help me now. God, this is what's true, not my interpretation or anxieties about the world. That's how we take the gospel and we preach it to ourselves. It's not just some sort of like religious mantra. It's a functional living in the goodness of God. It's a functional living out. What does it mean for God to be God and for me to enjoy who he is? Remember God's generous grace is that God loved me and gave his son for me. So that's verse 8, in the midst of all this chaos of, verse, of Psalm 42, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Remember that song from Zephaniah three seventeen? That's a song that God sings over us. And so our response is, okay, God, a prayer to the God of my life. God, amidst all this, help me remember who you are, to remember your generous grace. So that's what we've been, look, we've been looking at, telling ourselves about who God is to fight the darkness in our lives. Right? That darkness might be anxiety, might be fear. Remembering God's generous grace. We're going to look at Psalm 43 to finish this off. Remembering God's great truths. 
Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Right, how, do, how do we respond to the persistent problems that we're facing in life? Okay, God, I need to remember your great truth. So verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Right, things are still hard in, this, in the writer's life, but things are kind of beginning to tilt towards, okay, God, I think I'm beginning to, to experience your goodness. Right, it's still hard. Right, where are you, God? Verses two, verse 2, why do I go about Warning, but God, I'm going, to, I'm going to remind myself, I'm going to again, all right, I'm going to tell myself who you are. I need to remember your great truths. Uh, God, God's truths are the Bible, and we need his truths to change how we orient and live in a broken world, right? The world around us is hard. The world within us is hard, and we need his help to live a life according to who he is and what he's, de- what he's done and who he is designed and how he's designed the world. And we often try to find these like quick fixes to like make the world run how we want it to run. Um, I don't know, I've, have you ever seen like kind of crazy ways that people fix their cars? Uh, I, got, I don't know if you can see this, but somebody had like their, their red light go out in the back of their car. So they put a Doritos bag over it <laughs> or like the next one. Like, uh, I don't know if you can see this. The picture kind of gets a little fuzzy, but the wheel's off. And, okay, so I'll just put, like, a a dolly underneath the back wheel. Like, that'll work. (laughs) Or my favorite one. This is my favorite. The AC doesn't work. So I'm just going to put an AC unit in my window, and then I'm going to attach a generator to the back of my car, right? (laughs) I mean, I guess it gets the job done, right? But... This is kind of like, uh, we could take this down now, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like how we fix our lives without God, right? We kind of like jimmy our way and they're like, okay, I'm going to be happy uh, in my own way, in my own time, uh, according to what I want. And it, it's like those pictures. It's like, yeah, it's going to work for a little bit, but eventually it's just going to fall apart. Like, it, it's just not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. It's not going to fix the problem. It's not going to be lasting, when the world fixes itself, when we fix ourselves without God, it's like putting an AC unit in the window of a broken car with no AC and putting the generator in the back, right? It's going to work for a little bit, but the gas is going to run out or the generator is going to fall off or the window unit is going to break into the car and crush somebody who's ever sitting underneath it, you know? But what the psalmist says, okay, God, amidst all these problems, which we tend to go to these things to fix ourselves, amidst all these problems, send out your light and your truth. I need to remember your great truths. Amidst all these things I'm trying to fix in my life, I need your truth to fix me. I need your truth to come and illuminate the darkness in my life, illuminate the darkness in my heart, illuminate what seems to be a crushing reality around me. God, I need your truth to come and be active in my life to help me to know you. And did you notice that verse... Three and four, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Right? It's a full circle. Right? 
It brings God's truth. It brings us into God's presence to enjoy him with his people. Graciously brings us near. So I know we've been talking lately about how do we get more Bible into our lives. And as we've been talking about it, um, one thing that I keep hearing is it's just really hard to pick up my Bible on a regular basis and read for 15, 20 minutes. And I get it. It's, it's hard to kind of schedule in life and all that stuff. And then I was listening to a podcast this last week uh, interviewing a pastor whose name is Bob Thune. He's out in uh, Nebraska. I didn't know people lived in Nebraska, but he's a pastor there. And uh, he, he mentioned this podcast that they do called the Daily Liturgy Podcast. Can we throw the other one up, the graphic for it? Just so you, it's a Daily Liturgy Podcast. And that's the, the next slide is a, the URL for it. But here's what it is. It's, it's like a 12 to 15 minute podcast um, of maybe two to three scripture readings. So somebody just reads the Bible and then they just read a prayer and that's it. It's really simple. I've been listening to it this week since I heard it, since I heard him mention it. It's like, I don't know if you guys have drive time or where you're doing the dishes or you're taking out the trash or whatever else you're doing where you've got like 10 to 15 minutes of the day. It's a daily podcast. You get the Bible read to you and then somebody teaches you how to pray. I mean, it's like the best resource ever because I was thinking like, okay, how do I start getting more Bible in this? Like writing, pod, uh, writing blogs, nobody, read, nobody reads blogs. But you got, you got podcasts. Just throw that in. I, I mean, seriously, pull out your phone right now, subscribe to it because it's just a great... A great resource to get this reality from Psalm 43. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. We can't have God's leading in our lives without God's word in our lives. And we need God's word and every resource we can get to drive it deep down into our hearts so that we understand who he is, how he's designed the world so that we don't have ace units with generators on the back of our spiritual hearts, <laughs> so that we have God refreshing and rejuvenating our hearts. This, these two psalms teach us this reality of we cannot be passive in our inner life. If we're passive, we're going to find all these crazy ways to feed anxiety, to fix our hearts that will not last. God has provided these two psalms for us, I think, to drive this reality. We must tell ourselves about who God is. We must be active, take control of our hearts, talk to ourselves internally, right, not mumbling, talk to ourselves and remind ourselves who God is. God, this is who you are. This is what you've said about me. Remember, this is one of the greatest things you can do for your heart. To remind yourself, Jesus loves me. This reality, these troubles I'm facing, the struggle that I'm walking through, these are not the ultimate reality that I live with. And the reality is that this is how we can help our friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus to begin to find true peace in life is when we when we begin to apply the gospel, we apply God's goodness to our lives on a daily basis. When our neighbors say, I, "I've just been really anxious lately," or "This seems really hard," you know, we can begin to say, "You know, here's how I find peace and rest anxiety. I tell myself about who God is to fight the darkness in my life. Remember God's good presence. Remember God's." Generous grace, remember God's great truths, and regularly reminding ourselves about these things shape us, shapes our inner life to enjoy who God is. To get verse 1, verse 2, I thirst for the living God and to enjoy the living God. Let's pray. Father, as we've looked at your word, I pray that you would help us 
to tell ourselves, to remind ourselves about who you are, to talk to ourselves and remind us, remind ourselves about your good presence. God, remind ourselves of your great and generous grace. And God, I pray you would help us to remind ourselves of your great truths, of how you've made us to enjoy you. So God, would you give us the grace this week to walk in obedience to enjoy you and to talk to ourselves and to find peace and rest in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.